Hello and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church. My name is Wade Giffen, one of the pastors, and I am so glad to be able to welcome you to online worship today. We're continuing our summer series called Crosswords of Creation, where we're turning to the book of Genesis and seeing the significant moments, the significant stories where God is charting a pathway for reconciling all of creation back to God. We're continuing our series, Crosswords of Creation. And uh, just remind you what we're trying to do with the series is that is we know a lot of these Genesis stories in isolation, one at a time. But when you look at the arc of Genesis, you see a God that is stitching together these moments, these stories, moving closer, uh, moving humanity in a direction of salvation. So that's what we're trying to do with the series. And uh, today we get to one of, the, one of those uh, familiar stories. We often call it uh, Joseph and his coat of many colors, right? And uh, so I want to read fresh for us this, uh, this story. Here we go, Uh, Genesis chapter 37, uh, if you're reading along. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien in the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zippah, uh, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph Joseph more than any of his other children because he was the son of his old age and he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now I'm going to jump over to verse 12. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now and see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields, and the man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they now pasturing the flock? And the man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let's go to Dotham. So Joseph went after his brothers, and he found them in Dotham. They they saw him from a distance, and before he got near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come on, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, He delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So Joseph came to his brothers. 
they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves that he wore. And they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead and their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, so as we start today, I want to play a little game. This is an audience participation game. So you're, you're in on this one uh, to get us going. I'm going to call this game, That Pushes My Buttons. You know that means, right? When somebody pushes your buttons, we have all those things, those pet peeves, those things when we experience us, they can set us off, at least for a moment. So I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios, and if you're comfortable, raise your hand if that scenario pushes your button, all right? You, you in it with me? Come on, liven up a little bit, gang. You with me? I know, uh, Abraham wore you out, but you got to give me a little bit too. So here we go. Raise your hand if you are in a public place like a coffee shop or a diner, and there's somebody talking loudly on a mobile phone. Okay, got a few on that one. All right. Raise your hand if this pushes your button. How about that person who seems to think that rules don't apply to them? You know, you know that person who always feels this entitlement thing that rules are in place for that person but doesn't apply to them? I don't know, like the, like the person who rolls up in their car in front of CVS and then just parks along the sidewalk instead of a parking place. If someone who thinks rules don't apply to them pushes your button, let me know that. All right. How about this one? Raise your hand if it's that person who buzzes by on a busy road to your side and then merges right in front of you at the last minute. Does that push your buttons? That happened to me last night. I guess we could have a driving category all to itself, couldn't we? I mean, that's where it happens. Hey, have you, have you, I, I love to watch these videos on YouTube's call, YouTube called uh, Instant Karma. Have you, have you ever seen any of those videos? They're all, they're all driving. Usually it's a really busy highway that's at a standstill. And a person's got a dash cam recording what's going on. And somebody just comes blowing up on the shoulder and keeps going. But the car right in front is a police officer. And they jump in and get them instant karma. And we all go, yeah. Unless, of course, we're the one going up the side. Okay, this one does not require a raised hand. Just raise your hand in your mind. I want to keep some family harmony going on, all right? Raise your hand in your mind if this pushes your button. How about this one? When your spouse or someone in your family tells you about something super super important, and then a little while later when they ask you about it, you have, you have no recollection of it whatsoever. Raise your hand in your mind. 
if that pushes your button. The reason I did that is because uh, there's somebody in the room that I think would raise her hand on this one. All right, one more. How about that person who always has to one-up you? Like, like the one who no matter what you share from your life, theirs is either bigger or better or worse or whatever. Like, like you say, oh, man, I took, a, I took a bike ride today, and I rode 25 miles. I said, oh, yeah, that's awesome. I rode 40. You know that. Raise your hand if a one-upper pushes your buttons. All right. So why did we play this game this morning? Why, why did I do that? And, of course, I hope to, you know, loosen up the room a little bit and give us a laugh. But, but more importantly, it's this. I wanted you to feel something. I want you to feel something. I want us to feel the feeling we get when someone repeatedly does something that pushes our buttons, and we might even get to the place with them that we begin to despise them. Despise. I mean, that's a, that's a strong word. I mean, you might say that's a little bit extreme, but let's be honest. We've all gotten to that place. Yes? Why did I want us to feel that this morning? Because it's at the heart and at the center of what's going on in Jacob's family in the text today. It's the exact situation the brothers find themselves in. They despised their little brother because he pushed all their buttons repeatedly. And what is it that pushed their buttons? Well, really, everything that he did around them. His family position, where his parents doted over him and he was their favorite. He got special treatment. And the little game we played is at work in Jacob's family with Joseph's brothers. It's a part of the backdrop that explains to us why they did what they did to their little brother. Now remember where Joseph falls in his family line. We've been running this series for a while. Remember Father Abraham, and then, and then Abraham had a son Isaac, and we talked about Isaac, and then Jacob, remember that's, the night he wrestled and his name was changed to Israel, and now Joseph. So where Joseph falls is he's the great-grandson of Father Abraham. And so I bet if we went to Joseph's brothers and we asked the question, what pushes your buttons? They would probably all in unison use one word and just say, Joseph. I, I bet they'd say something like this. Oh, who pushes my buttons? How about that kind of person who has these dreams? about all of us bowing down to him someday. That kind of person pushes my buttons. The section of scripture I jumped over today were two of, two of Joseph's dreams. One of those, he has this dream where um, he's looking into a field and there's sheaves of grain there. And he said that his sheaves stood up and all of his brothers bowed down to him. And he had that dream and he told his brothers about it. And then he had this other dream where he said, the sun and the moon and 11 stars will all bow down to me. How many brothers did he have? Eleven. And so he shared that dream with them as well. That kind of person pushes buttons. Or, or maybe the brothers might say something like this, the kind of person who's favored by our parents, who gets special treatment and, and is treated differently than the rest of us, that kind of push, person pushes my buttons. I mean, who of us 
who is an older sibling, I'm an older sibling of a large family, hasn't at one time or another said, I can't believe what you let my little brother or sister get away with. If I had done anything like that, it would have been lights out. Any, any older siblings here kind of grumpy about that? All right, thanks. Let's just join in together. Or, or maybe, maybe those brothers might say, the kind of person who is a tattletale and goes and tells dad everything, especially bad stuff about us when we're working, yeah, they, that pushes my buttons. So do you see where the brothers were? At this point, they weren't just put off. They weren't just having their buttons pushed by Joseph. Here's what the text tells us. Here's where they got to. They hated. Were you all allowed to use the word hate when you were a kid? No, me either. But they hated their brother. That's another word, strong word, like the word despise. But in this section of Scripture, that word's there three times in relationship to the feelings of the brothers towards Joseph, especially when he showed up in that coat. Now, what do we call that coat? Here's a little fruit when you're paying Trivial Pursuit sometimes. Here you'll have this one. We call it a coat of many colors, right? And we probably do that because of, uh, what is that play, Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat? Did I get that right? Or, or maybe if you like Dolly Parton like I did, you know, that song, Coat of Many Colors. Somehow I couldn't get uh, Abraham to sing that today. You know, I, don't, I don't know. But here's what's really going on in the text. See if you noticed this when I read it. It kept referring to it as a robe with sleeves. It's a robe with sleeves. Why is that important? It's important because... Uh, in that time, a robe for those who worked in the fields would have no sleeves on them because they were hot, because they were cumbersome. But Joseph walks up, and he has this coat with these really long sleeves in it. And what did that convey to his brothers? You get to work hard in the fields, but guess what? I don't have to. And they despised him. So maybe that... Uh, Maybe that showing up in that coat followed by hearing all those dreams was kind of the last straw. How do you get to the place that you hate someone? Hatred had found its way into their lives. And this is a story about a brokenness in the human family. It's a story of betrayal, a story of violence, of hatred. And you know what? We got to sit in this a little bit today because here's the reality. We're all like this. We have those experiences, too. We have those kinds of feelings towards others, too. So now that I got you all depressed and feeling all kinds of feelings, <laughs> let me tell you what I, what I hope this text accomplishes and what I hope you take with you today. First and foremost, I just want to get you thinking, get you paying attention. This, this week doesn't have a whole lot of this, what do I do in my life as a result of worship kind of thing but it's kind of setting the stage for what God will do in the next two weeks of this series when we bring Genesis to a climax. So I'll give you a little spoiler alert. Turn the page, and God begins to redeem this situation. And God uses this horrible, dark family situation to advance the salvation story. That's coming next week. I'll get to that. But for today, I think it's important for us to just kind of sit in misery a little bit with this story and what's going on here. And I hope that you'll pay attention this week in your own life when you recognize that you've had this moment of feeling. 
when you felt this in, in your own situation, and then come back next week and listen to what God can do. How God can take the darkest moments, the darkest stories of the human family and turn them into redemption. So what I'd like to do with my time I have left today is I'd like to ask three questions to help us dig into the story a little bit and prep ourselves for the redemption good news that's coming. So who in this story describes your current situation? Now, I don't usually like to preach on an allegorical level and say, you know, this is that and this is that, but this story almost begs for that. So let's think about Joseph. Are you Joseph in this story? Do you identify with Joseph? Has your birth order or your life circumstances or your position put you in the place that, that you act like Joseph does? Has that position gotten you so far in that you almost have developed your whole personality around that? Is it something you're trapped in and feel like the only thing you can do now is just to keep playing it and reinforcing it with your words and actions with others? Maybe, maybe you find yourself in some place of honor, and maybe that's affected you and your relationships. Or maybe you identify with Joseph because you find yourself at the bottom of a pit, feeling abandoned or lost or like you're just rotting away. Or maybe you find yourself among the brothers. Maybe you feel less than. Maybe you feel like you're not enough, like you're always being overlooked. Resentful, maybe guilty of even thinking of harming as a result. Do you find yourself among the brothers? Or maybe you can find yourself with Jacob, with dad. Maybe you're at a place of prominence, whether it be as a patriarch or matriarch of your family or a leader of an organization, and you're wondering, what happened? How did this go so wrong? Was it something that I did that contributed to the dis dysfunction that's around me? Is there anything that can redeem this situation? Or, or maybe, maybe you feel like Rachel today. I know Rachel's not in the story, but Rachel is Joseph's mom. She's not, she's not present in this moment, but I imagine that Rachel was wondering what was going on. And she too felt helpless as she watched this happen in her family. Now, I don't know about you, but in my journey of life, I could probably have aligned in every one of those at one point or another. How about you? Could, you? could you find yourself in some of those places? Where do you find yourself in the story? So here's what I'm asking us to do. Pay attention to that stuff this week. It might just point out something to you that God can redeem and turn it to good. You know, this journey through Genesis, we just keep running into these these redeeming moments that God does in some of the most horrible circumstances, God turns to something good. So, are you Joseph? What about, here's the second question. Who is the Joseph to you? Who's that Joseph lingering around in your life? Who is it? Remember when I started by saying, uh, asking the type of person who pushes your button? We had a little bit of fun with that, but here's the human reality. When asked about the type of person that sets us off or pushes our buttons, I wonder if some of us can not only just identify a type of people, but I wonder if there's actually a person's face that comes to mind to you in those situations. I wonder if there's a name, a person associated with those kinds of questions. 
I mean, come on, let's face it. We all have Josephs in our lives. Maybe it's somebody in your family. I'll tell you, that's probably one of the most painful of all. Maybe it's someone you work with that just pushes your button to the point you're just almost despising them. Is it a neighbor? Is it a friend you really want to have a relationship with, but man, you just can't continue? Is it someone you go to school with? Is it maybe somebody sitting in this room? And the question comes, how do we get to the place where we begin to despise someone else? I'm not talking about just disagreeing with somebody. I'm not talking about being angry with someone. I mean, there are times when disagreement and there are times when being justifiably angry is is kind of a thing. I'm talking about how do we get, y'all, how do we get to the place where our emotion gets to the point that we begin to hate someone? They hated Joseph for his dreams and his word. They hated him from the inside out. Who is the Joseph in your story that you really, really, really need to pay attention to? I I, I bet that question bothers you. I mean, it bothers me. It can be a painful one, but sometimes we've just got to go to the place of being truthful about where we are so that we can allow God to redeem it. Third question is this. How can God transform your situation? How can God transform your story? So I'm not going to take this one very far this week because that's where we pick up next Sunday. But for today, I don't want to leave us sitting in this pit, if you pardon the pun. A personal joke again there. Friends, I want you to see that redemption is always on the horizon. Redemption in the story of this ancient family, of course, but But there is hope because in those tough spaces, there's redemption in your story too. But for now, rest assured that God is in the middle of this terrible mess in Jacob's family. God is going to do something incredibly redemptive with it. Because here's the thing I think about. God not only had Joseph in mind in his story, but God had the whole world in mind when Joseph was pleading for his life at the bottom of that. So carry this good news with you this week. That God made a redemptive strategy for Joseph. God made a redemptive strategy for all the world and all the time, even at the moment Joseph was being carried away. The challenge for Joseph, the challenge for you, the challenge for me, is that sometimes it's really hard for us to actually believe that God can, that God will, redeem something that feels shattered or broken or even ugly, especially relationships. So here's my invitation to you. Leave here today knowing that wherever you intersect with this story, God is right there in the midst of it. I know that the Josephs in your life and in your situation and the things that you're struggling with God has redemption in mind for it. And we'll move that direction next week. So when I got to this place in sermon preparation, this sermon kind of felt unfinished to me. How am I going to land the plane, I wondered. And I think that's okay. Because the story of Joseph and the story of our own situations, it's often unfinished. The story of forgiveness, it might feel unfinished for you. And that's okay. 
Because God is doing in the midst of my mess and in the midst of your mess something that's still being written. In the middle of our messes, God is still moving. God is still acting. And that's enough good news. And I think that's enough for right now to be continued. So thanks for being with us in worship today. I'm so glad you stopped by and chose to tune in to our online worship. Make sure you're back here next week as we continue our journey, the crosswords of creation. God bless you. Have a great week.